Well, welcome to the Side Talks podcast. Guess what, Corey? Uh, what? You know, the last week or so has given us so much. Oh. It has given us Halloween. I know this is playing much later than that. You know, yeah. our air date is a little bit delayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has given us a little snap in the weather, but I think we'll also be gone probably by the time people are listening to us because I think we're getting some some temperatures back up. But more than that, it has given us Michelle Williams reading Britney Spears and doing a Justin Timberlake impersonation. One day, Jay and I were in New York going to parts of town I'd never been to before. Walking our way was a guy with a huge, blinged-out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine, what's up, homie? Social media users were quick to... Wow. <laughs> it's gone viral. That's what that last I'm little sure. Thing. Well, you know, she's a great oh, actress. Man. Um, one of the finest of her generation, I think it's safe to say. And this is more evidence if to support that. If you hadn't heard that yet, you're welcome. Yep. Um, have you bought the audiobook yet? No, I have not. <laughs> I have not. Um, uh, I'm not an audiobook person. Well, uh, this is an exception to that rule, Corey. Well, Did, do you not just hear that sample? I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty compelling, it's compelling, compelling sample. Um, this is the Side Talks podcast. I'm Rachel Morgan, and I. I'm Corey Morbit Craft. What's up, Ding Dong? We've led with the most exciting piece of news for the week. We'll just go ahead, spoiler alert. But um, let's go do some other stuff as well. Shout out to those Corey heads and kittens out there. Let's get started. Wah, wah, wah. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. It's time for a five-minute fight. Roll up your sleeves, you little bitch. Oh, my God. We uh, Go ahead and start the clock, Brad. There's no reason for us to, to take this one um, any longer than it needs to go. We are fighting a film that you like and I don't like, and that is the film Pretty Woman. And yeah, I will, it's I'll go good. Look, I'll go ahead and say this. Directed by... Gary Marshall. That hat, Gary Marshall. That so deceased hat. I will go ahead and say this. Is this film enjoyable to watch? Yes. Because it's so terrible that well, it's fun yes i love watching this the same way romeo and michelle love to watch this it is it is definitely enjoyable and on a revisit it's even funnier than ever but this is not a good film and you're arguing that this is a good film it's a pretty good movie i mean come on it is it is silly it is um silly for the reasons that everybody has always said it's silly and i'm certainly not going to stand here and like defend it as some sort of progressive piece of art but it is a you know a moderately charming romantic comedy uh with a i think a pretty clear and apparent star making turn from old julia she's really good in it um and you know it's kind of basic like a twist on the pygmalion thing the the my fair lady thing she's the you know the sex worker with a heart of gold and richard Gere is you know um capitalist uh asshole who he's like a like a hedge fund guy who's just like trying to buy this buy ralph bellamy's company but he learns a lesson too about what it means to be a human being in this you know, disastrous uh, era of competitive commerce, and 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 I think we all learned a lesson from Pretty Woman. Yeah, I think I think it actually is teaching a few lessons, and that's part of my problem with us. I actually don't think this is kind of a fun, funny, um, like let's all kind of sit around and enjoy this thing in this in the way that you are. I, I don't. I think it's fine if you are, um, you know, a s- sort of seasoned a- 
it, looking at things critically, and you can kind of enjoy it. But I, I do, I definitely think this is a bit of a dangerous film, and it's and it's heralded as being like kind of what you're saying, which is sweet and joyous and sure cute. it is, and it's fucking not. You know, it was just a matter of of weeks ago, days ago, really, that you tried to sit across from me and talk to me about how problematic Urban Cowboy is, and this movie is is so much more problematic than that. Richard no, Gere is, oh, it is, he's absolutely abusive in this. The the the, the stories that it's telling to young women about what's where you get self-worth where your value comes from it, it when you're i was actually i think i mentioned this to you not that long ago mm-hmm. i was actually shocked when i revisited it at how much more bothersome it was to me now than it was when i originally saw it i remember i remember having this kind of hangover from it like oh that was really problematic but when i watched it this this other time i'm like this is kind of a dangerous fucking film the messaging is pretty pretty dangerous when it comes to when it comes to body image and all of that and i, I it's been now mm, half a year since I think I revisited it, but it, it is it is incredibly anti-feminist, this film. Eh, I don't oh, okay. Know. Oh, Cor- oh, oh, okay. Here we go. Corey says, hey, feminist. When I say that Pretty Woman is anti-feminist, he goes, eh. Look, if That's you're, his stance if you're looking at a fucking Gary Marshall romantic comedy for lessons on feminism, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think that people like, are... Lo- that's the thing. What, what are we doing I, I here? I think that if you're looking at this for lessons on feminism, and that's the way you're going into this, you're going to see quite the opposite but and be able to discuss it. But literally nobody's doing but it's, that. Exactly. It's just that kind of candy we feed ourselves, and that's where the danger comes from. That is where the danger comes from, it, and it is it mm. is it's heralded as being like iconic, and and you know it, it's it's certainly prolific, and it's it's out there for everybody to watch all the time, and its messaging is really really nasty, and I think that that makes for a dangerous film. I mean, look again, if you're watching it or I'm watching it, fine. I hear what you're saying. Like we can kind of filter all that and kind of go, this is so you know we can talk about how anti-feminist it is, but I think when it's just like on TNT or whatever the hell, and people are flipping through it and you're watching it like a, like that it's it's something that that is really really kind of terrible I mean, messaging it feels, terrible it feels very much like a product of this immediate like sort of reagan afterglow of again rampant consumerism and yeah capitalism. it's very dumbed down it's not very uh, my understanding is that the original script was pretty sharp that this was had, sure. that had it, been an originally kind of an a, interesting thing. You know, a bracing got, look at the realities of sex work in 1990. But yeah, like, again, okay. again, if you want to talk about whether or not this is a film, a, a film for fodder for, you know, for adults who have some kind of critical sense, fine. But this is just not something that I think it, that we should herald as being positive and good for, for just the world in general. It's not a great film. And also, have you ever just seen a sex worker? Have you ever just seen one? <laughs> Because um, probably this is like <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that you have Corey. I would imagine that you have ninety nine point nine 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 percent of sex workers do not look like this. Do not sure. act like this. I this know. is it's, just it's so, fantasy. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely fantastical in a way that is that. But it's not positioned in that way. It doesn't have any fun with that. I, I don't agree that it is not positioned as fantasy. I think it's completely positioned mm. as fantasy really? in the same way, again, that my fair lady is positioned as fantasy or any number of sort of ugly duckling transforming into the swan sort of stories are. This one just happens to be under the lens of, again, rapacious consumerism. I don't think that the messaging is good. I'm not going to stand here and say, yay for capitalism. All young girls should aspire to, 
to you know rope in, in or, their or sugar if, daddy and and you know living or that for, life for for sort of accepting men's bad behavior in a particular way. His his turnaround is is really not that broad. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember it be, uh, one, from recent having again having watched it. It's been a while, but I remember kind of thinking, "Wow, this is this is actually incredible." He hits her right. Is that the deal? No, that- he does not hit her. What happens with the like? Like, there's something that goes down where it's like a Jason Alexander tries to. Oh yeah, that, I think that's part of it too. But, is but the, like he he's just kind of aloof and an asshole. Yeah, I got and you. he remains an asshole, but he does, he's not like a physically abusive asshole. No, he's just I think he's he just, just psychologically he's abusive, a, you know, he's manipulative a, and master of the universe he's he's a uh, you know the perfect yeah, Reagan era and, specimen. And, and men save women i get it men save women they pluck them right out of uh, out of the, the terrible in shining hands armor sort of right thing. the terrible hands of sex work and you couldn't really do this on your own but if you're if you're if you're a, a charming enough sex worker a man will come and save you from your fate brad hey guys hey brad how you doing this is um here's the deal i'm gonna make this real simple <laughs> yeah uh, I agree with uh, Rachel's viewpoint on this. Oop, finally, um, I totally get it. I don't think. I think. Well, whatever. I'm not going to get that deep into it. Corey, though. I mean, it's not a very uh, full throated. You know. <laughs> no, it's not a great movie. <laughs> right? I mean, come well, on. that's the whole thing. And, <laughs> look, and, I'm not crazy here. And so Rachel wins. Yeah, oh, thank you. I mean, yeah. look, thank you, thank you. I just I, I like it more than she does because I like Julia Roberts' performance in it. Later. I think she's fine in it. She's more than fine. She's she's pretty great in it. I this is where I, what this she's is really the argument do. we probably should have had because uh-huh. this is what I don't understand. Brad, she plays it as if they said play it like like you like you're an alien. Like you've never seen a fork before. <laughs> she kind of plays well, it in right. this way. It's like, what? Right. What in the world is this? It's a fork. That that stuff is silly, um, but it does it's it does good. come from the sort of again the Eliza Doolittle Pygmalion thing. Like she's just like I don't care where it comes from. It plays like look at this complete fucking utter idiot that doesn't even know who's like, baffled not by forks what, but by could, high society. It, and do you fancy not see dining. how it could be so much more interesting if she were just a little bit more of a complicated human being? Of and course not it just would. Like, oh, it's if you're a, a sex worker and that's what you do, you're a complete fucking idiot and no, you don't that's even not know what, what the a spoon saying. is. Come on. It's not saying she doesn't know what a spoon <laughs> is. She's not the fucking little mermaid. Yes, it's what, just it no. Is, it's come one on. step away from Daryl Hannah's No, splash. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not that. It is again, you know, I don't disagree that it should be a little bit more complex, and if it were, it would be a better movie. But for a fairy tale, which is what this movie is completely position to be i i don't i don't have a huge issue with it she's plucked from you know yes she's plucked from a very sort of if we're looking at this in a realistic and gritty sort of context which this movie is not um she's plucked from pretty difficult circumstances into high society and completely baffled by like eating escargot and the number and of forks on a table not well i don't think so <laughs> it's <laughs> In any event, as absurd as that stuff gets, ultimately, she sells it for me. All right. I mean, I won the fight. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I, I do, Look, is she charismatic? Is she dynamic? Does she have a particular presence on the screen? I think it, she's at her best in this. In, yeah, 100%. In, th- in that sense. But it is played at this level that is so one note and really ultimately so uninteresting. Like the parts where the... 
this the things that are that were kind of improv like when she's mm-hmm. in the bathtub and you know she's got the like gorgeous long legs and she's kind of joking with him yeah and she's kind of joking with him uh you know about her about her about her physical body or whatever i don't remember but she's being kind of cute and sexy and all that that you know and she's at, and again i think that they let julia roberts ad lib a little bit that stuff is really great yeah, and good. really charismatic but the one note uh, the one note approach at the vast majority of this role is just disappointing Mm. She's, you know, I think, and she said as much, dude. Sure. She's, she literally turned to Kirsten Dunst on that, uh, on Oprah and was like, you're overthinking things. Like, or, or I think that Kirsten Dunst told a story in which Julia on Oprah were in which, um, Julia Roberts turned to her and said, you're overthinking things. And like, just the paycheck's coming either way. Mm. On Mona Lisa smile or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know. Eh, it's fine. I mean, if that's supposed to be a fairy tale, I mean, it's a fucked up fairy tale. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, but like, it was a fucked up era. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm with you on <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But Urban Cowboy, fuck that movie. Yeah, because literally John Travolta is smacking Deborah Winger around, and he's like, "Oh, can I? Can you please move back in?" And she's like, "Yeah, I just want to ride the mechanical bull sometimes." Just, just even so though Scott ever, Glenn listen, is a little worse because he hits me more than you, you do. That is not like, at fuck all. Off. That is not at all the way. I don't know what film you fucking watch, well, but I, that is not at all the way that that film that's plays pretty out. Pretty much as, exactly as, how that. No, film, it's not. He it's literally not, smacks her not, during their first meeting and she's just like Nobody's, you shouldn't do that again are you he's like, about the, i'm sorry it's, it does not play that is just an unfair summary of this no film. it's not that's the, literally the, the text the, the way the that it goes this the first smacking thing that happens which is at a table which is a complete which is a, like the diner is a com- that's a completely like you're taking this whole thing out of context that's what he said and to you're her. not no he said he did not look at her and say you're taking this out of context. Yeah, more or less. He did. Come on, this is an unfair <laughs> summary of the way that that film works. It uh, is an unfair summary. I don't think so, but you've already defended the honor uh, of I Urban have, Cowboy. I have, and I will continue to do that. Okay, well, and enjoy. I, and, it. I, and, I, and I, you're only burying yourself deeper by being like, well, this one's okay, but that one's not. When it's, it, they're both products of the era and of the worlds in which they're inhabiting. Yeah. Yeah, but I enjoyed Pretty Woman more it's than Urban ding, Cowboy. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, there you go. There you go. Because like Julia I, Roberts is, I, is charming and John Travolta is not. You know, Blurred Lines isn't problematic because I like that song. It's oh, that kind of thing. Oh, come on. I'm just joking. That's such horse shit. All I right. mean, I'm just saying. I think I think that we can enjoy certain things and say, like, I enjoy it, but it's problematic, and here are the reasons why, right? Um, and I think that there are some things that 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 work on multiple levels that we could also talk through, but I don't think it's fair to hold two films that are equally problematic up, once, up next to each other and go, yeah, this one bad, this one good, simply because you like or don't like it. That's literally what we do on this podcast. Okay. Not true. Yeah, it is. Not true. I think, yeah, I think you can make a stronger case. It doesn't matter. I'm beating a dead horse because I won. You could have made a stronger case. That's all I'm saying. And now, fast film terms. What was that, Corey? Oh, it's been so long. I, <laughs> I know, right? I think that was a fast film term. Wow. Well, you've, you've got a fast film term to bring us. One that you may... Uh, do you have time to get to this this level of detail in your um, film critical study stuff you do in, you know, in high school or no? Italian neorealism, and neorealism yeah. is the term, uh, is kind of the most important sort of movement of filmmaking that we don't have time to get to. Yeah. Because we're rushing through the history of, of cinema. 
in a very broad survey over the course of two semesters, and still we don't have time. I mean, we're yeah. in film noir right now, and it's almost the end of the first semester, so that should tell you right there. Yeah, we'll leave it for the college-level stuff, yeah, you know? unfortunately, but but – Neorealism um, is the fast film term of the day, and it, it, it originates from, as I said, the Italian filmmakers, especially in post-World War II Italy, who are looking to bring uh, a lot more of a social consciousness to the filmmaking, and in doing so, want to um, make uh, their films as realistic and as uh, evocative of lived experience as possible. And to that end, neorealism is not just filming on location, right? It is filming with non-professional yeah. actors. Yeah. Uh, it's filming sometimes, you know, not only in location, but in the very places where these non-professional actors live. Um, and some of the most famous neorealist films like Bicycle Thieves or uh, the Roberto Rossellini films like Rome Open City, these are all films uh, that use non-professional actors, sometimes first-time uh, performers who never acted again uh, to bring a greater authenticity to the stories that these filmmakers are trying to tell. Um, in recent years, you could look at the films of somebody like Sh uh, Sean Baker as having tinges sure, yeah. of, of neorealism uh, in an American Something context. Something like Tangerine. And uh, The Florida Project. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, so that's, that's neorealism in a nutshell. And really, you could kind of say there's some little spark of it. It's, it's wouldn't really encompass this term completely, but there's some spark of it in Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. A lot of um, first-time performers there as well, um, and people brought in as consultants who got uh, screen time, yep. uh, Osage people specifically. So well, what do you have for me? I got another one for you. Okay. Do you know what a nut is? <laughs> do you have the dick jar out? This is a dick and ball jar today. Nut. Nut. Um, it is... Uh, no, I don't know. What are okay. you talking about? Well, it's a Broadway term, of course, because okay. doesn't that just sound like something that would come from Broadway? The great white way, if you will. Yeah, it came from that. And it is used to describe a show's weekly... Uh, you know, obviously, this would have been uh -huh. like a theater show. Weekly operating budget. Or how much it costs to put on a show every week. Okay. So if we were if we were in a meeting at Sidewalk, and and I think I'm going to encourage you to do this at a meeting at Sidewalk, uh -huh. and you just were talking about what films we should screen, what the costs associated are, you could say, hey, let's get to the bottom of it. What's the nut? What's the nut? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, everybody would know what I was talking about and receive. They that absolutely very well. would not. Oh, okay. But um, but they should. They need to be listening to this podcast and listen and learn. So, in cinema terms, it refers to the operating expenses associated with the movie, uh -huh. right? Um, so, the exhibitor's calculation of what it will take, you know, to, to run the theater, to staff it, all of that. And sometimes you'll hear this referred to as a house nut. Okay. So, like, the nut on Taylor Swift <laughs> um, would, would be – man <laughs> – I'm, I'm really running with this one. Now. Would um, <laughs> go ahead and say it. Um, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> would be would include uh, the cost it takes for us to, uh, to 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 source that friendship bracelet station. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, those were the fast film terms. I, You're welcome. I'm not gonna. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to the Side Talks podcast. We're your own personal cinematic pumpkin spice chicken sausage no. and pumpkin pie. 
spice, Pringles. Oh, fuck both of these. These are real fucking things. Isn't these it? are real. We are in pumpkin. We are in um, pumpkin spice season, if you will, mm. right? D- don't y'all think that pumpkin spice season takes us to Thanksgiving, maybe through Thanksgiving week? Yes. We sort oh, of for start sure. yeah, for October sure. 1 to like. To the end of November. Black roughly. Friday. And then, you know, as soon as December rolls around. Everything turns to peppermint. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want you to know this is my favorite part because doesn't this, this sounds fake as hell? That the um, pumpkin spice chicken sausage is uh, a product made by Nature's Basket. Sure. <laughs> oh, oh, what are you gonna do? I'll take the sausage. I guess I'll take the Pringles because I don't eat meat. I yeah, like it. Uh, I like just it. Just the the concept of pumpkiny Pringles. I don't. I don't like it. Well, here's the other. Like, are they sweet? I don't know. I haven't had them, but here's uh-uh. my question. Do, do you think that, that Pringles is able to pull this off simply because of two things? One, that somebody's going to do exactly what you're doing right now and just be like, you got to tell me what that fucking tastes like. Uh-huh. We're going to do this and we're going to eat two of them. We're going to throw the rest away. Right. That combined with like a gag gift kind of thing. Well, and a third thing, which is the proliferation of legalized or decriminalized marijuana. You think that's it, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, even somebody as high as a fucking kite doesn't want this, right? Like, this this isn't uh, even... Don't be even so our, sure. Even our pumpkin spice lovers out there in the world, right, don't really want it on a Pringle, do you? I don't know. I Brad, don't know. Brad, what do you I think? I mean, I don't. No, right? But it makes me sick to my stomach. No, it doesn't sound good to me, but... I mean, we have our top scientists in this country working on new Mountain Dew and Dorito yeah, flavors. Imagineers. Yeah, Imagineers. Pull them off of that cancer research and put them onto pumpkin spice research. So, look, I mean, I, I don't know how else to explain it other than weed has gotten very potent. You know what? Podcast at SidewalkFest.com. Let us know if you like pumpkin pie spice. Spice Pringles. If you've had one, we would like to know. Um, if you have a weigh-in on on whether or not this is a weed-driven. I mean, I, I definitely think that Taco Bell's menu and ours is weed-driven. I just don't know. I I'm, I want to hear more from the general public about these freaking Pringles. And if you're a food scientist, we want to interview you. <laughs> Come 100%, on our podcast. 100%. We need you. Uh, thanks to Batwell Studios. Thanks, Brad. For su- supplying us with all of our pumpkin spice needs and recording this podcast. That's for producing sure. Producing this podcast. Uh, why don't you check us out online at sidewalkfest.com or follow us on social media at Sidewalk Film. We're showing some good stuff at the cinema. You'll want to get tickets and join us for a screening. That website again, sidewalkfest.com. Join us today. See you soon. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words. Our expertise.